Welcome to the addendum, a thing added. On this podcast, Pastor Eric Williams will add to, clarify, and supplement the most recent teachings at Fellowship Renewed Church. So we started a series two weeks ago, and the series is The Messiah Seeing Jesus in the Covenants and Promises of Redemption. Uh, Yesterday, Sam took over covering Abraham and how all that worked, but I thought we could start this week by talking about what we discussed two weeks ago, and that was Adam and Noah. Uh, So here are just some summary thoughts. Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden. That's where he placed them. That's where he wanted them to be. And uh, all was seemingly good for uh, just a little while, not very long. Um, But perfect fellowship with God in paradise is lost, and that becomes apparent to us immediately, and it becomes a big problem, not just for Adam and Eve, but for all humanity, right? So then we're given this promise, Genesis 3.15, a redeemer will come from the seed of the woman, that is from the line of Adam, and he will destroy the serpent. He will be the one to bring restoration. But at that time, when this is given, that's a very vague promise. We have no idea what that's really going to look like, but over time it will become more clear. So God established a covenant at creation. Um, We saw that pretty specifically, and that covenant is then upheld in the story with Noah. So we covered Adam and Noah in one week, and the reason for that is because it's it's covering a singular covenant that is established with Adam, but upheld in the story with Noah. Okay, so in the story with Noah, there's a brand new start for humanity because humanity had become altogether corrupt, sinful, that uh, every intention of the human heart, even from his youth, is evil, is wicked. And so... Um, God decides to wipe out all of humanity except for Noah and his three sons and their families. And so we're led to believe that maybe this new creation, this new humanity, is going to be better than the previous humanity. Unfortunately, that's not the case. This brand new start for humanity doesn't accomplish peace with God. It doesn't accomplish a lasting, sustained relationship with God in paradise. None of that's accomplished. And so we still have a big problem. Um, How we ended is talking about these these connections. And this is very just very briefly and in terms of a summary. And here's what we said, that Jesus is the one who will be sent to fix the problem of man's sinfulness. We know that. But ultimately, we see it from the very beginning, that there's a problem with man's sinfulness. Jesus will be the one to fix that problem. He will be the last Adam. Mm -hmm. He will be the proper representative of the human race. He will initiate a great and final covenant, and he will bring us into the true land of promise, paradise, uh, where man now finally has perfect and lasting fellowship with God in paradise forever And that's how we wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. So that's the one big storyline of God. That's what we're talking about in this whole series, that there is a singular storyline that God has, one grand narrative that's unfolding over time. And the way that we can trace that, and what's been said, and I think it's very helpful, is that the way that we trace this narrative 
is through a backbone structure, and that backbone of the narrative are the covenants and promises of redemption. So, that being said, we covered Adam and Noah two weeks ago. Yesterday, Sam covered Abraham, and Sam, of course, is here with me today on the addendum. And so, Sam, how would you summarize uh, the situation with Abraham? Coming off of all that with Adam and Noah, now we're talking about Abraham. How would you summarize yesterday? Yeah, right. So, um, basically what God does with Abraham is he gives Abraham in Genesis 12 promises, right? He promises Abraham that he's going to make him into a great nation, um, give him offspring. He's also going to bless Abraham and he's going to give him the land, right? Mm -hmm. And as Genesis unfolds, we see in Genesis 15 that God cuts a covenant with Abraham. We talked about the fact that God takes upon himself the responsibilities to fulfill that covenant. Mm -hmm. In Genesis 17, he gives Abraham a sign of the covenant, namely circumcision, and then we see the covenant is reiterated in Genesis 22 and 26 to Isaac. And as God makes these promises to Abraham, it becomes very clear that um, Abraham's going to have an offspring, yeah. that the, the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant, the way that the covenant is going to be fulfilled is through that offspring, mm -hmm. right? And so when we go and look at what Paul says about what God intended with that, we can see that the offspring of Abraham, who's going to bring about the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, is actually Christ. He is the offspring to whom the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant belong. Yeah. And therefore, we who are in Christ, as Paul says in Galatians 3, are recipients of those blessings. Right. right? And we talked a little bit, too, about how the Abrahamic covenant that God makes is not a separate thing from the covenant in Genesis 3, or the promise in Genesis 3, I should exactly. say. So what God's doing with Abraham and Abraham's family is not a separate plan from what God promised Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. It's yes. the next step, there's a line that runs from Adam and Eve through Noah and now through Abraham, That's right. but God doesn't have two redemption plans running on separate tracks. Right. It's all part of the same plan. Right. It's the next step. So I think one of the one of the quotes I read yesterday was um, that the best way to understand the Abrahamic covenant is the means by which God is going to fulfill the promise he made in Genesis 3.15. Right. It's the how. And as we've been talking about, God's promises of redemption begin somewhat vague but they gain in specificity over time. And so the Abrahamic covenant is another way in which we see more specifically how God's going to do what he said in Genesis 3. That's right. There's now going to be a specific family and even a specific individual within that family that's going to be the one who accomplishes the redemption promise in Genesis 3. Mm. Right. That's kind of the summary. So to, to wrap it up, I would say when we look at the Abrahamic covenant and the promises of land, seed, and blessing, we see that those anticipate point to and find their fulfillment in Christ. And we talked a little bit about how the sign of the covenant, circumcision, physical circumcision for Israel, was a shadow of a greater reality that was coming, which God's people have always needed, which is a circumcision of the heart, right? Whereby yes. the Spirit gives us a heart that that functions properly toward God in right covenant relationship with Him. And we talked about how the land, the promised land of Canaan, was a taste, a foreshadow of the greater substance which was coming, which has always been what we needed, which was a totally new creation. Mm -hmm. So the land of Canaan was pointed to the greater reality, which Isaiah talks about specifically, and which Paul talks about in Romans 4, as not just the land of Canaan, but the whole world, yep. right? The people of God in the final eschatological reality are not going to just have the land of Canaan. We're going to have the entire new heavens and new earth. Canaan was a shadow of that greater substance, right? In the same way that the circumcision was a shadow of the greater reality of circumcision of the heart. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so that's that's the big idea. That's right? the big idea. That, <clears throat> that there's one storyline. That's correct. It's not, and that's really the the point that we're trying to press home this entire this this whole five weeks. That's what you're, that's what we're going to see is that there is one program of God. That's right. That He didn't start something with creation. Didn't start something with Adam, and then with Noah, and then with Abraham. And God just keeps trying over and over, but that's He right. keeps failing. God just can't come up with the right plan. That's wrong. That's right. God has one plan, and he is seeing that plan through perfectly, but to our eye, or maybe we'd say to our ear, that is the revelation of God, it is vague. Mm -hmm. We don't properly understand the whole scope of it, but God does perfectly. That's right. It, right? And that's what we were just talking about mm -hmm. right before we started, is that, that that's the whole thing, isn't it? Is that God sees the plan perfectly. We don't see it perfectly even now that's right even now we don't see it perfectly as paul says we see through a mirror dimly mm -hmm. um but one day in full that's right uh so that's that's the idea that's what we're trying to put together so uh one point we made is that in seeing how all these pieces fit together this is not uh about what you might call allegorical interpretation of scripture yeah that's right what we're what we're not doing is we're not looking at our Old Testament and trying to see how we can cram Jesus into every passage and make everything in some way artificially or forced about him, yes. right? What we're doing is we're looking at how the New Testament authors understood the Old Testament covenants and promises to point to Christ. And we're looking at what Paul says about those. We're trying to read our Old Testament the way that Paul read it, the way that Hebrews reads it, right? What we're not trying to do is... Uh, is make it say something about Jesus because we want to somehow get to Jesus in every sermon, which is good. We should get to Christ. Mm -hmm. But we don't want to draw lines where Scripture doesn't draw them. Um, we want to draw the lines that Paul draws. We want to draw the lines yes. that the apostles drew. And that's why when we looked at you know Abraham yesterday, we spent a lot of time in Galatians mm -hmm. and Romans 4 is because Paul goes to Abraham to talk about the promises that God has for us in Christ now. Right. And so we're connecting the same dots that Paul connects. We want to see it the exactly. way he sees it. Right? So it might seem overwhelming to someone that we're using so much scripture. Yeah, I it could. Because it feels like we're bouncing around a lot. It does. That's right. So what would you say to that? Because um, I, I did that a lot as well. We're going to be doing that in yeah. the next several weeks. Yeah. Uh, why are we doing that? Well, we're doing that because I think we, I mentioned this explicitly yesterday. Scripture is a cohesive story. And you've said that in this time already. Mm -hmm. Scripture is a, it, it's one big story. And within that, there are different stories. There's different books. There's different authors. But you know, when we look at what God is saying about something, we naturally kind of have to go and bounce around in a bunch of places because he says the same thing in a lot of different ways in a lot of different places through different authors because we're talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it can feel overwhelming. Yes. But at the same time, it really is coming down to the idea that Scripture is painting a cohesive singular picture of redemption in Christ. Yes. And so we bounce around a lot because Scripture is... it's. Connected to itself, it is. right? It's not a disjointed thing. It's not. And and what might be a challenge, I think, I'm just sitting here thinking about these things, but what might be a challenge is that for someone who's reading their Bible, studying their Bible, whether it be that you're studying the Bible for the first time, maybe you're maybe you're making connections that you've never made before. Why? How do all these pieces fit together? What's happening in Genesis and what connection does it have mm -hmm. to the Gospels or wh whatever it may be? There's a concept that you have to keep in mind about Scripture in general in this idea that I've been, I've been trying to communicate for years is, is to make sure that we know in reading our Bibles is progressive revelation. That's right. 
in that uh, we, we receive revelation from God, that is true, and revelation from God progresses over time in that it becomes more specific. We're, we're touching on that here in this whole series, but the whole Bible does this. But it's not as though God is, the Bible is coming up with new truths. That's right. Um, that God always has the same truth, just as we see uh, Genesis 3.15, this idea about a Redeemer that's coming to bring restoration is the same one that, that Isaiah talks about as the suffering servant, mm-hmm. which is far more specific. Mm-hmm. But it's the same um, Redeemer that Paul talks about mm-hmm. in even further specificity. That's right. So the Bible is communicating this same truth, but in further specificity over time. We call that progressive revelation. And then another thing to keep in mind with all of this that we've been talking about is that Scripture is the best interpreter of itself. That's right. So if we're reading something in the New Testament about the Old Testament, we need to see that, in a sense, there is a New Testament priority in that the New Testament is helping us understand our Old Testament. That's right. That's right. So if it seems like we're bouncing around a lot, we are. We are. But we have the fullness of the revelation of God in the canon of Scripture. That's right. 66 books that have been given to us by divine inspiration. Right. And so we need to, we're trying to at least give this fullness of a picture with all of scripture. And because, you know, we're doing this in five weeks, uh, we have to use a lot of scripture, but hopefully we're doing so in a way that's understandable. Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned yesterday, it feels like we're zooming by at about 80,000 feet, but in reality we kind of are. I mean, we're hitting on all these big subjects and all these major books and you, Mm -hmm. I mean, what did it take us to go through Isaiah? Two years? Long time. And here we are trying to talk about yeah. all the covenants in five weeks, right? right? So it really is a big picture idea. But hopefully hopefully people are, are seeing that there's a, a set of lenses, a hermeneutic set of lenses that, to put on as you look at the Old Testament covenants mm-hmm. and promises where we can see how they point to and find the fulfillment in Christ. That's right. As the New Testament says. And can I jump in here with one other thing? Sure, go ahead. So one other thing I wanted to add is um, reflecting back on yesterday's sermon, and you and I were talking about this a little bit off air, was um, is uh, I, as I was going through this, I went through a lot of different resources on this because it's a big subject talking about all these covenants and Abraham. And I, I was realizing that as I was quoting in my sermon yesterday, there was a few spots where I had made myself a note on a quotation, but I had not referenced that. So I just wanted to acknowledge that now that um, there are some great resources out there that I was quoting from mm-hmm. and should have been more specific on that because I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to claim those ideas as my own. I have definitely benefited from doing a lot of research on this from people who have spent yeah. a lot of time stitching all this together. So this is just me acknowledging yeah. That uh, that was not all just my own ideas coming out of my own head. I mean, right. I, <laughs> I'm standing on the shoulders of some people who have been really thinking through this a lot. So. Yeah, yeah. This is certainly an iceberg situation. Oh, my goodness, yes. Right? Yes. Uh, we there, are scratching the surface. There is a lot under here, and there's a lot of resources, things that we've been studying, talking back and forth. And uh, that's absolutely, thank you for that. I had, I had uh, two questions for you. Sure. <clears throat> First question is this. What was the most perspective-altering, for you, right. the most perspective-altering thing specifically regarding uh, your time and study with Abraham? Right, right. Perspective-altering. I think as I, was, as I was looking through what Paul said about Abraham, I was definitely struck by how Paul sees so much promised in the Abrahamic covenant that at first glance doesn't seem to be there. Mm-hmm. And that, that honestly was a challenge for me because... For example, Paul says in Romans 4, 13, that Abraham was promised the world. Yeah. Well, how, how did Paul say that Abraham was promised the world? Because Genesis said he was promised the land of Canaan. So then you got to wrestle with the idea that maybe in God's promise to Abraham, there was a lot built into that promise that was going to work itself out mm-hmm. in such a way that even from the beginning when Abraham was promised that, it was a big promise and that there was a lot more there. 
right? Yeah. And not in some hidden spiritual mystical way, right. but that God was going to be doing something really big and that Paul saw that in the Abrahamic promise. So then as I dove into that, you see that even Abraham himself, according to Hebrews 11, also was anticipating a heavenly city, right? An eternity in a heavenly place with God, yeah. even as he was in the there and now promised physical land, right? And then you look at what Isaiah says about the suffering servant and how the suffering servant is bringing us back to a new heavens and a new earth. Yeah. But then Abraham and Isaiah are connected together by Paul. So Paul sees the work of the suffering servant as part of what God is doing in the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah. And then you realize that's what God's doing in Genesis 3. And the Abrahamic covenant, you realize it's big. What's happening in the Abrahamic covenant, yeah. the promises, the land, the blessing are really big. And I just realized like, wow, there's a lot there. But if you don't see it as finding its fulfillment in Christ and recognizing that he is a true offspring of Abraham, then it, it just seems like, well, here's a here's a promise for some people to live in a certain place. Like, what's the big deal? Exactly. Well, Paul says it's a big deal because it's all funneling, all those blessings flow through Christ and then yeah. we're in Christ. So that applies to all these, all of us as believers, right? The whole world benefits from the Abrahamic covenant through Christ. Mm-hmm. It's big. It's really big. Yeah. And that for me, I had to get my mind around, you know, how, yeah. how expansive and far-reaching it is. But it only makes sense that it's big because, as one of the quotes I read yesterday says, it's best to understand the Abrahamic covenant as the means by which God accomplishes the promises in Genesis 3.15, which from the very beginning was big, right? right. It affected creation. Right, right. That, that goes back to the same point, though. Paul is taking from multiple pieces of Scripture. That's right. Right, even though he's not specifically reading them, right? But he's, at times he's quoting them. That's right. Uh, but he's jumping around all these different That's places. Right. He's in the prophets. He's in the Pentateuch. Mm-hmm. He's he's all over the place. He's quoting narrative mm-hmm. situations. That's right. And so, but he's he's creating throughout all these different stories of Scripture and places in Scripture. He's saying this is the fullness of the story as we now have it revealed in Christ. Right. That's right. Okay. So. That's right. Next question: What was the most difficult thing to communicate? Uh, there's always there there are always difficult things to communicate. I think this 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 series is in particular because there's so many nuances. That's right. For you, just one thing, maybe. What was the most difficult thing to communicate about this? Maybe maybe not only communicate to the church, but even communicate to yourself. That's right. Yeah, to get my mind around. Yeah. I think the idea that um, a prophecy of scripture, and I want to be careful and specific in how I say this, a prophecy in scripture can have what I would say is multiple fulfillments. Meaning we can see an initial fulfillment of something that is a shadow of a greater fulfillment, a substance to come. So for example, Abraham was promised land and descendants and they were given a sign of circumcision, right? Right. So in the short run, if you could use that kind of language, Abraham's biological descendants lived in a physical geographic place and they had circumcision. But the covenant wasn't fully fulfilled or realized until Abraham's true descendant, Christ, the offspring, brought about the ultimate fulfillment of that in which the people of God, children of the promise, of every nation, tribe, and tongue, not just one, have circumcision of the heart, which is the greater reality that physical circumcision pointed to, and inherit the new heavens and the new earth. So there was an initial outworking of the Abrahamic covenant, but even in that, it was still a shadow of the greater substance which was to come, but both of those things are true. Right, mm-hmm. So we don't want to spiritualize it and say it was only ever a spiritual thing. It wasn't just that. Mm-hmm. But those things that as they happened unfolded and pointed to something greater and it wasn't until Christ that those things found their ultimate fulfillment. Yeah. And even yet now, we're still looking for the final fulfillment of that when we're in the new heavens and the new earth. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, hard things to, 
to wrap our minds around, but it, it, it really is. Um, we have kind of what we're wrestling with in the text is that these ideas maybe are vague to us, That's right. but the more we press into them, and what I'm hoping is that after these five weeks is that everyone's going to see that as we press into these over five weeks, what maybe seems a little bit unclear, nebulous in a sense, it's just floating around. It's an idea, but it's not clear. Hopefully that will become more clear over time. And this is certainly one of those things that, that needs to be uh, understood. That's right. Uh, I just wanted to end our time together today in a little bit of application. I was thinking about a text from Ephesians 1, and this is where we started two weeks ago. I wanted to read a little bit of that and uh, just show, because someone might be asking, this is highly theological. There's a lot of information here. Mm -hmm. What is the application? Like, what do I take? What am I supposed to take away from this? Uh, Am I supposed to just take away the information? Am I supposed to... You know, do a report right. on this and turn it right. back into you to be to be graded. That's right. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with all this information you just gave me, but I think the answer is 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 pretty plain. Yeah, what we're supposed to do. Ephesians one verse three, beginning in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. That that right there is important. We're going to come back to that. With which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. That, mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. This mm-hmm. plan for the fullness of time is, is what we're discussing together. To unite all things in him, in heaven and things on earth. That's talking about the universal scope of God's right. plan as right. we see it. It's not just about one particular small group of people in a small group or in a small place on That's earth, right. I should say. That's right. It's it's about all things. That's right. All things in heaven, all things on earth. It's it's all about a plan through him. And then verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, mm-hmm. having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that, here's the so that, we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. That's That's third time. Third time in this text, it talks about this all being to the praise of his glory, or to the praise of his glorious grace. That's right. What is the end of all these things? Like, what do we take to heart with all of this? Or we might ask the question, which we were talking about, which, which... it's, it's a little bit in error to say, so how do I need to modify my behavior right. according to what you just said? Right. But that's not at all what, because Paul just laid out a, a, a mouthful of theology here. Right. And the people might be asking, what are we supposed to do with that, Paul? Right. And his answer is, give God the glory. That's right. That's right. I actually had that in my notes. What, one thing I cut out, right? That's kind of the point of this podcast. What did I, what did I cut out? What do I need to say now that I didn't have time yesterday? I had a paragraph in there where my exact application was this. It went something like, I just gave you a bunch of information, yeah. but not for information's sake. Information is good. We want to have information. We should know more about Christ. We should desire to know more about who he is and what he's done and dig deep into that. 
It's not wrong to want information, but if the information just goes into our brains and just gets filed away as just something cool or interesting, yes. but doesn't penetrate our hearts and cause us to a deeper affection for Christ, right. a greater thankfulness towards Him, a, a more pure worship of Him, to the praise of His glory, then that information is essentially wasted, right? Yeah. So my goal in communicating it, um, especially in the way I did, was I want people to be, I think I said this in Isaiah as well, a certain, I want people to marvel, right? And to just see how big and how vast and how unbelievably gracious God is in His plan of redemption for us because it's the whole creation that He's restoring. We're going to get a new heavens and a new earth and we're the wretched sinners like the ones that came right after Noah mm-hmm. and the ones throughout the whole Old Testament who couldn't mm-hmm. keep his faith, his covenant, we're, we're going to inherit that because right. of what Christ did for us. That's, that's crazy. That's unbelievable. Right. And so our hearts should just explode with gratitude. And as we realize, all of this has to come through one individual. Only one individual can do this because everybody else is sinful. All the kings fail. All the judges fail. Israel fails repeatedly. But there's only one who never fails. And, and when we think about and reflect on who that one is, that if we if we praise God for that and our minds are just filled with thankfulness and amazement at that one individual who can do that mm-hmm. and we praise him for that, man, that's that's the application, right? It is. That's the application. Yeah. Just that's a, the application. A, a, a transformation of our minds, yeah. the way that we're thinking about God to give God glory 100%. is application. Yes, application to of the mind. To give God glory is the purpose. That's right. So we want to just say to you, um, we know that this is a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but God is worthy of stretching our minds, mm-hmm. of working through this, of wading through the water. And uh, we want to be a church. We want to be a people that gives God praise, that gives him glory because he is worth it. And so when we see his great plan and all that he's done, and we see how he has intricately worked this out for a, as a plan for the fullness of time, as we see the greatness of his plan, we see the greatness of God, and as our minds uh, comprehend that, mm-hmm. then God is magnified, mm-hmm. and That's he receives right. the glory, he receives the praise, and this is the end that we're all working toward. Amen. That's right. Thank you for joining us on the Addendum Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Renewed Church, visit frcsparta.com. Please join us for next week's episode.